0: The scripture reading that the sermon is based upon is from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Just take a moment and pray with me. Father, you tell us that your word is living, that your word is active, that like a sharp sword, it can pierce deep inside us and reach to those places where we need your truth and your healing we need to hear your voice and we pray that your word would have that effect on us today for christ's sake amen so how many of you have seen that old steven spielberg movie called et the extraterrestrial remember that old movie everyone's seen that right all right so in the movie um a spaceship from another planet lands on the outskirts of a small town to do some kind of exploration they are discovered by people and surprised and so the spaceship remember it takes off quickly and zooms back into outer space and they accidentally leave behind one of their crewmates cute little extraterrestrial whom we call E.T. right? Well there's this uh, young boy that lives in that town named Elliot and Elliot learns of the existence of E.T., that this little creature is out there on his own, and Elliot is very concerned to think of this little guy out there in the forest, all alone, in the dark, in the cold. So Elliot starts to think, what can I do to help this little creature find his way from the dangers of the forest to the safety of my home? And in one very famous scene in that movie, Elliot goes out into the woods on the edge of town, and remember, he leaves behind a trail of candies for E.T. to follow, to find his way to Elliot's house. Okay, this is extra credit. Does anyone remember what kind of candy it is? Oh, yeah, Reese's Pieces, right? He leaves Reese's Pieces through the forest to show the way home. Well... Okay, this will sound weird, but it seems to me that in a certain sense, Psalm 25 does for us what Elliot did for E.T. What I mean is, Psalm 25 marks the trail home. Not home to Elliot's house, to our father's house. It marks the way home to God. Now, it's not uncommon for people to, to uh, feel distant from the Lord, all right? Some, some people, if they're honest, would say they, they don't know if they've ever in their life had a meaningful connection with God. They just This is just foreign to them. Uh, other people will say yeah, that they've known the Lord, they do know the Lord, they've known Him for years, but something has happened and they feel like they've drifted. You ever feel like that? They feel like they're just distant from Him? For either for when we're in a situation like this, listen, Psalm 25 is a great psalm. psalm. Psalm 25 just kind of walks us through the paces and marks the path to find our way back to this restored communion with God, a kind of a spiritual renewal. Now Psalm 25 is an acrostic psalm. There are a number of acrostic psalms in, or, or poems that you'll find in, in the Old Testament. An acrostic psalm is a psalm that is arranged alphabetically. Alright, so um, with Psalm 25, um, there are a couple of variations. But for the most part, each, um, each line of Psalm 25 begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if this had been written in English, it would go like this. The first line would start with A, the second line would start with B, the third line start with C, and, and, and so forth. That's, it's an acrostic psalm. It's arranged alphabetically. And um, scholars are not exactly sure why sometimes the ancient Hebrews would write poetry this way. Certainly they de- there was a delight that they took in, in the artistry of this. It takes a, a lot of skill to compose a poem that way. But they also think that certain poems were written this way specifically to make them very easy to memorize. You kind of think how it might be easy to memorize. Line A says this. Line B says this. Line C says this. They, in other words, there were certain poems. They, just, they kind of wanted everyone to know by heart. And when you look at Psalm 25, you can understand why you would want people to know this by heart. Why? Because we're all going to find ourselves, we're all going to find ourselves like E.T. in the forest, right? We're all going to find ourselves kind of drifted and far. And when that happens, we need to know the way, we need to know the path back. Now, um, Acrostic psalms are notoriously difficult to outline. They don't generally fall kind of a, follow like a logical structure. They, they tend to repeat themselves again and again and again. You can see that in this psalm. There are just certain, certain ideas that are just repeated. A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. Almost like footsteps down a path. But these, these ideas, it doesn't even matter which order you start in. These ideas show us The steps to take to seek spiritual renewal. Well, what are these steps? Well, one of these steps is openness. If you you feel far from God today and you desire a, a spiritual renewal in your life, listen, you need to open up and be honest with God about things that are going on in your life you just need to be open you see that in verse one verse one the psalmist begins this way to you O lord I lift up my soul I'm not going to hold anything back I'm not going to hide anything I'm just going to I'm just going to lay my soul before you lift it up and show you what's going on You, you could translate that verse lord I turn to you I've been kind of ignoring you. I've been turned somewhere else, but I'm not going to do anything that anymore. I'm not going to hide. I'm coming to you. So, so it, the, the whole idea of this psalm is just, God, I am pouring out my heart to you. I am going to tell you what's going on. Now, you'll notice in, in, in the psalm, the psalmist, one thing that he's very open about, he is open with God about his sin. Did you notice that? Several times in the psalm, he mentions his sin. Beginning of verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And, uh, end of verse 18, Forgive all my sins. So it's, it's almost as if he, he's saying to the Lord, he's like saying, Lord, if, if I'm going to find my way back to a close relationship with you, Um, there are some things I need to tell you. There's just some things that I need to to tell you about me. I I saw saw an article online the other day with a very unusual um, title The article, the title was, Doctors Reveal the Strangest Things That Patients Tried to Keep Hidden. And you can just kind of imagine the things that patients didn't really want to tell their doctors. And the whole idea was, if you go to the doctor and you have a stomach ache, uh, yeah, it might be embarrassing to admit this, but if you swallowed a crayon, All right, you need to tell the doctor that. You just, like, don't tell her. Don't hold back. You have to tell the doctor what's going on if if she's going to heal you, right? And guys, listen, it's the same way with our sin. You can't hold it in. You can't hide it. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces their sin finds mercy. You need to, we need to just be honest and tell God these things. Now, what, what does it mean to confess our sin? Confession is not plea bargaining with God for a lesser charge, all right? Conf, confess, confession is not emotional groveling, putting yourself through some kind of mental contortions. Like, if I, if I make myself feel miserable enough, maybe God will have pity on me. That's not confession. Confession, it, it's not a form of... Um, psychological catharsis, you know, I'll just feel better if I get this off my chest. That's not confession. So what is, what is, it, what is confession? Well, one Christian author named Jim, Jim Eliff, he said this, confession means to agree with God, to agree with God on his assessment of our actions and thoughts and to name our sin to God, to name it to him. I wonder if there's anything in your life, your thoughts, your words, your actions, that you just need to name to God today. You just need to be very specific and tell Him. So that's one thing we notice in the psalm. The psalmist, he's very open about his sin, but that's not it. That's not all of it. He's also open about his troubles, his sorrow, you see that repeated through Psalm 25. Verse 2, he talks about enemies. Enemies, he says, who want to exult over him. He talks about those enemies again in verse 19. He says, with violent hatred, they hate me. Verse 15, he says that he feels like his feet are caught in a net. Isn't that an interesting metaphor? I wonder, what, what, what kind of circumstances do you think would have to be going on in someone's life where they would just say, I, I feel like I'm, like I'm trapped, like I'm caught in a net? Verse 16, he says, Lord, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The word, the word that's a translated afflicted there is a Hebrew word that means poor, needy, weak, Depressed. He says, God, I just feel weak and lonely and depressed right now. Verse 17, he says, The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s, just thinking about that phrase, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. This is what he wrote. He said, When trouble penetrates the heart, it is trouble indeed. The psalmist's heart was swollen with grief, like a a lake overflowing with water from enormous floods. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I'm just just overflowing with sorrow. Can't even hold it in anymore. If, If you've ever felt that way, or if you feel that way today, let me ask you something. Guys, isn't it wonderful to know that God cares about that? isn't it? That he wants to hear about your sorrows. He's never tired. It's like, oh, you again? Uh, Haven't you already told me this? He's never like that. um, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this. I I love this verse. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Do you have any cares today? You just need to cast them. On the Lord. He wants you to do that. So the first step, if you're you're feeling distant from God, how do I find my way back to a close relationship with him? The The first step or one of the steps is openness. Just be open about your sin, open about your sorrow. Don't hide it anymore. We need to be open with God. A second step is that we need to be obedient to God. One step is openness. Another is obedience. The, the, the psalmist here, he, um, he admits that he's sinned, right? But He doesn't do like a lot of people that just keep confessing their sin with no intention of leaving it, right? He, he really wants to leave his sin behind. Several places he, he gives the indication. He's just saying, God, I, I want you to teach me. I want to learn from you. I want to, I want to be able to follow your paths. I'm, t- I'm tired of walking in my own way. I want... I really want my life to change. You see that, for example, in verse 4 and 5. He says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. How would you restate that verse in your own words? Maybe you'd say, God, I I need you to come and show me how to live my life in a way that will honor you. I want to change, and I need your help to do that. Verse 21, he says this to God. He says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. He got this sense, he's just crying out to God, saying, Lord, Lord I, I have been lacking in integrity. The way I look on the outside doesn't match who I am on the inside. I, I, I've been lacking in up, uprightness, and I don't want to live that way any longer. I want to change. I, I, I want to obey you. Now, guys, I, I hope you understand this, that obedience, obedience to God is absolutely essential for anyone who is seeking spiritual renewal from Him. I mean, this, this is not an option. On, ongoing willful disobedience in the life of a Christian will absolutely deaden any sense of communion with the Lord. It, 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 will, just, it will destroy any sense of closeness to God. Now, there are times when Christians will not feel God's closeness to them and the the cause is not sin, all right? Maybe they're just weary. Maybe they're tired. We go through times like that. But when we sin and we continue in sin, you can be sure that we will not feel God close to us. I've heard it explained this way. If, If you... If you truly are a Christian, and what by that I mean, you have been made new by the Holy Spirit. You are trusting in Christ as your as your Savior. If 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 that describes you, the Bible says that you have been given union with Christ. In God's eyes, you are one with Christ. Now you've been given union, and that union with Christ is eternal. And so, if you fall into sin, that your union with Christ is never taken away. But if you fall into sin, and you continue in sin, maybe um, you just refuse to break off some bad habit, destructive habit in your life. You just, I'm not, I'm not going to give that up. You, you refuse to end some wrong relationship that you're you're caught up in. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. You refuse to live a generous life to help the poor. You refuse to pay back a debt that you owe. You refuse to make restitution for a wrong. You refuse to forgive someone who has repented and asked you to forgive them. You just say, I'm not gonna forgive her. I'm not gonna do it. See, listen, if, if you, as a Christian, if you fall into sin and you just continue in that sin, even though your union with Christ will not be taken from you, oh, your communion with Christ, your sense of his closeness, it will evaporate. I mean, and most Christians have experienced that. You just feel like he's, he's not close to you anymore, and so because of this, obedience to him is an essential step to spiritual renewal. Now, I can imagine someone might say, I, I can't. I cannot obey. It's just it's too hard now listen, if you, are, if you are a Christian, okay, you can't obey perfectly. You can't obey without struggle and effort. You cannot obey in your own strength. I mean, we would all agree with that, right? But if you're a Christian, you know what the Bible says? It says that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. All of the power of the Holy Spirit is within you. Romans chapter six says that you are no longer a slave to sin. The devil would tell you, oh, you're a slave. You don't have a choice, but God would say, no, you're not. You're free. Romans six says that you have died to sin. You are alive in Christ. Therefore, isn't this wonderful news? You can obey the Lord. One one author who's really helped me a lot with his books is Jerry Bridges Jerry Bridges wrote this Now that we are in fact dead to sin dead to its rule dead to its reign we are to count on that as being true we we are to keep before us the fact that we are no longer slaves we can now stand up and say we can now stand up to sin and say no to it through Christ, God has delivered us from sin's reign so that we can now resist sin, but the responsibility for resisting is ours. So what are the steps what is, to follow this path to renewal? Openness to God? Obedience to God? One more essential step is faith. We need to, we need to believe. You say, believe what? Well, we need uh, me, me to believe that if I confess my sin, God will forgive me. Need to believe that if I pour out my sorrow to God, He will listen to me and He will comfort me. He will. Need, need to believe that if I, if I seek to obey the Lord, He's not going to lead me to do that on my own. He will empower me and guide me, get me to where I need to be. Just, we need to trust him. We need to believe. And you see that the psalmist does that here, doesn't he? He trusts. In fact, he, he gets right to that in verse 2. He says, oh my God, in you, I, I what? I trust. I'm trusting you. You'll notice here, he, he's, he's really trusting that, that God will forgive him. In fact, in verse 3, he says, No one who waits on you will ever be put to shame. You're going to deliver me from my shame because I'm waiting on you. Verse, verse 6, uh, he says, Remember, Lord, your mercy and your steadfast love, for they are from of old, they are from eternity. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. It's interesting he mentions the sins of his youth. It's like he's saying, God, I know (laughs) I've been sinning a long time. Ever since I was a kid, I can think way back on sins in my life. But here's one thing he says that comforts me. He says long before I ever started sinning your mercy your loving kindness was always there it was always there he says your mercy your steadfast love are from of old from eternity verse 11 shows us that the psalmist is trusting god to forgive him he says something here that it doesn't even really make sense if you look at verse 11 he says something here that you would only say if, you, if you're absolutely certain there's no limit to God's mercy. Here's what he says. Verse 11. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. <laughs> Isn't that a strange thing to say? You, you would think he'd say, pardon my guilt, because it's not really that bad. Pardon my guilt, because it was just a few little sins. He's saying, no, God, my sins are crazy big. They're, you can't imagine how much I've sinned. So forgive me. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Why would you say that? It's kind of like, let's imagine, okay, I commit a crime, I'm arrested, I'm put on trial, the jury finds me guilty, I stand before the judge for sentencing. The judge says, before I sentence you, do you have anything to say to the court, Mr. Ellis? And I say, yes, Your Honor, I do. Your Honor, I think you should just dismiss all these charges against me because my crime was a very, very serious one, right? It doesn't make sense. The only kind of person who would say, forgive my guilt because it is great, is a person who is absolutely convinced that the mercies of our God know no bounds. That God is, as great as our sin might be, God is able to forgive us. Listen, do you know that that's true for us in Jesus Christ? Do you know that? Do you, do you know that if you come to God trusting in Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross in your behalf, hear me, God will forgive and forget any and every sin you confess to Him? Isn't that wonderful? I heard a a, a story, I don't think it's true, I don't know if it is, but a story of there was this Christian woman who claimed that she had the ability to hear messages directly from God. And there was this old bishop who didn't believe that she had that gift. And so this bishop, to test her, he said to that woman, listen, if you think you can hear from God directly, then the next time you're talking with God, you ask God what the sin was that I committed my second year in seminary. The next day, he ran into the woman, and the the bishop said to her, have you been talking with God lately? And she said, yes, I was talking with him this morning. And the bishop said, well, did you ask him what the sin was that I committed my second year in seminary? She said, yes, I asked him. The bishop said, what did he tell you? She said, he told me he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember, bishop. You are forgiven now listen we don't need someone with a direct hotline to god to tell us that guys right the word of god tells us that clearly doesn't it it tells us for example in first john says if we confess our sins god is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness i just love that phrase not some unrighteousness all of it John goes on to write, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So if you want, listen, if you want renewal from God today, you just need to believe this. I'm telling you, you just need to believe He will forgive you. Amen? He's also calling you to believe that he will guide you. He will help you. He will not leave you to try to struggle through a life of obedience on your own. No, he won't do that. He will help you. You see that in verse 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. So if you're a sinner, you qualify to claim that promise for yourself. God, you promise you help sinners. That's me. Instruct me in your way. It goes on. He leads the humble in what is right, teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. If if you're wondering, you know, what would it be like to to allow God to lead me and empower me and teach me to to live a life of obedience? Would it be tough? Would it be boring? Would it be hard? Would it be difficult? Well, here's what the path would be like. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. In other words, if you allow God to lead you down this this adventurous path of growing in obedience to you, with every step further down the path, you would be coming to, to know personally in your life more deeply how much God loves you, and that the fact that He's with you, and that He's faithful, the obedient as they walk with the Lord, this is what they learn. He is so good. I, I don't know, guys, if any of us really has any idea how eager God is to strengthen us and to support us in our efforts to obey Him. You you, you, might, uh, you might just kind of be weary. Maybe you're kind of, you know, battle-scarred and beaten and bruised from trying to obey the Lord and you've fallen a few times and you're just feeling like giving up. I, I don't know if you realize how eager God is right now to strengthen you by his Holy Spirit, to stand up again and brush yourself off and follow a path of obedience to him. In fact, if, if, if you're sensing God calling you today to a, just take a new stand of obedience in your life, right now all of heaven is ready to supply you with resources beyond what you can dream. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Some of you have given up on yourself. God has not given up on you. God has not. Do you believe that? So these This is the trail of candies through the woods. These are the thoughts that mark our path to spiritual renewal. It's kind of like what Jesus said. We heard that in Mark earlier in the service. This was Jesus' whole sermon. He had three points to his sermon. The kingdom of God is near, right? Repent. Confess your sin and turn from it. And believe. Believe the gospel. God loves you. God forgives you. God God has given His Son for you. God has given His Spirit to you. He is with you right now. You follow the path. You're open with God about your sin and your struggles. You're obedient to God. You let Him lead you in His paths. And you believe. You believe. He loves you. He's with you right now. Let's pray together. Father, in this coming season of seeking renewal, we ask you to lead us down that path. We ask each one of us, wherever we might be in relation to you right right now, some maybe have never tasted your grace. This might be their first step toward you. Others perhaps have known you for many years, and, and yet we just need revival. We need renewal. It's the same path. Lead lead us, lead us down it to your home, to your arms, to your presence, to a place of renewal and restoration with you. We trust that you love us. We trust that you desire this for us. And so in faith, we take the first step. In Christ's name, amen.